Hey, Mark. Hey, Elaine. On a scale of one to ten, how annoyed slash weirded out are you that you took me to see the North Wrestling Show and I absolutely bloody loved it? Well, I kind of expected it. Like, I kind of expected that you would get a lot out of it because I think it's an excellent... I wouldn't have suggested you to come if I thought you were going to hate it. You didn't give a lot away when we were there. Like, I think you were getting used to the arena and atmosphere and so there was a few plate collapse but like you weren't sort of chanting along with everyone i'm not someone who would that's and And also some of the chants a little bit free (laughs) so it is quite difficult to walk into a new place surrounded by people that you don't know very well yeah and to be in a new environment and suddenly starting to shout the c word at someone you know, a little bit difficult that, isn't it, sometimes, generally. I know you don't find it hard. <laughs> I think I probably kept quiet for the first few times I went. Yeah, so anyway, for those that haven't listened to our other wrestling episodes, North is a local, over-18s mostly, wrestling promotion. They sh- put on shows every every month or six weeks, um, occasionally a little bit longer. And I've been going for about six months now, and I brought Elaine along. I'm shocked. You're shocked. Yes. So it's a it's a nine or an eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you say, I know you wouldn't take me anywhere where you didn't think I would like some element of it. Mm. But I, I think sometimes you say to me, you're not quite sure with me how I'm going to take something, yeah. whether it's going to be quite overwhelming for me on a sensory level or if it's just not... It's fine for one go, but I probably wouldn't do it multiple times. By the interval, I was trying to work out how I would be able to go so that you could look after Blake. <laughs> and so I was thinking, well, maybe we could do it in some sort of like, you know, um, you go one time and I'll look after him and then I'll go the next time. <laughs> and having suggested that to you, your face was a was a treat of like, no, no, no. I have to go. It's it's not your thing. It's my thing. Why are you trying to take my happy place away from <laughs> That's me? Right. Yeah, but it's fascinating, isn't it? When we were there, I was saying how comfortable I felt, how the people were our people, and that's a very difficult thing to describe, but you know when you're walking into a place where the t-shirts have the same references that you love, the TV, the film, the cultural references, the, the diversity of the crowd as well, which is something that I'm really aware of because our son's a wheelchair user. So seeing other wheelchair users in the crowd just makes me feel really happy because it, it makes me think of him as an adult being able to go to places like this and having that accessibility and having something that he loves, you know, to be able to, to go to and to in, enjoy. So straight away, I just think, well, this is brilliant. Um, and then there's the... so, And then the atmosphere really reminded me, actually, of our wedding venue, which was in a brewery. And the um, the North Wrestling is, is the one, the show that we went to was being held in the local brewery as well. So it, it really reminded me of, of that venue. And obviously we picked that venue for a reason because that's where we feel most comfortable. And yeah. it just felt like us. Um, I love the names of the beers on the wall <laughs> as well. There was some really cracking... Names that again refer to pop culture, and then when the performances occurred, when the wrestlers came out, I realised, you know, it suddenly dawned on me, and it's it suddenly just almost like the coins fell from the eyes. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but that's the one I'm going to go for. 
I don't think that is a <laughs> Dude, phrase. I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. But anyway, you know what I mean? Scales. Scales are falling from eyes. Yeah. But I still don't think that's the thing that I want to say. Anyway, the clouds lifted and I then understood what you were talking about because when you see it physically in front of you Mm. when you see people doing sports entertainment when you hear the slaps on the chest and i'm going oh and you know people are slamming down onto this floor the floor is reverberating so you've you've got that physicality to it but also the comedy the comedy of the the performances and the acting and the way that someone builds up character and actually I could see that for good and for ill there were some people who were really really good at doing that whereas others I felt oh right they're just finding their feet so you can you can really sense it in the room and when I when we came home on the way back I was saying to you it's this mix of musical theatre and stand-up comedy which are two things that I find absolutely fascinating and really draw me in so yeah, I just, I loved it. And I think I love it in the same way that I love TV and film. It, it, we, you've often said to me that there's like this Venn diagram, isn't there, of people who love movies and people who love music and, and television and mm. then wrestling fans. And yeah. It all sort of merges together. And for the first time ever, I understood what you meant by that. Oh, that didn't realise I was quite so profound. Yes. I mean, I have to admit, like, there were times when I was like, oh, my God. You know when you bring someone to something and you're sort of second-guessing everything? Um, the first match was... The first match proper was a man versus woman. And I have, in the past, really struggled with those matches because sometimes, if they're not done right, the visuals can be, can be tough. I mean, in this case, you know, the women are shown as being equal to the men. But there is... In the back of your mind, there is always that little thing, and I think North do it really well. Mm. I think it's, I think it is difficult in my mind still because the major promotions are, as of yet, not doing intergender matches yeah. at all. Are you worried about the misogyny? Are you worried about things coming out in the crowd of people? Not so much. I just I, some. It took me a long time to get the visuals mm. of seeing a man. Slap a woman, slap slap a woman across the chest and stuff like that. It's and you know why? Like it, it can be done badly. Mm. I think North do it have it excellently every time. I think the performers understand exactly what they're doing, and it's never played as some. Yeah, it's never the women are shown as equals to the men. So of course, yeah, the performers in in question Rio is shown as being one of the toughest people on the roster mm-hmm. and won a tournament a couple of months ago to and that's why you know she is trapped mm-hmm. like that um you know she's an absolute tough bastard because you see you know when you see the work she's done in ICW which is a major promotion that's run out of Glasgow yeah she is shown as being absolutely tough and like things that she has done have gone viral on on <laughs> I'm like I know Rhea yeah I see her all the time um, and you know like it's like anything when you bring someone to something you're like oh god I wonder what I think about that I wonder what yeah. I think about that but I'm I'm, glad, I'm really glad you enjoyed it yeah um, I loved it I, I, I'm not I'm not stopping going so uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to find more people to babysit yes. that's going to be it yeah. then yeah and a really um, exciting new thing for us to do as well because it's it's nice to find something that we can do together I, I think yeah absolutely you know and just find new new ways of um, going out and about and, and doing doing new things and I probably I, like, I'm joking I wouldn't go to everyone like I know you no. will but yeah I'd love to to go every now and again and, yeah. and it's just a really good night out as well yeah 
that was my I take away from it. It didn't go on too late. You know, no. sometimes with nights out, like, and go half 11, midnight, that sort of thing, and we're like, finished by 10. So we were able to get home, and it was just a really, really lovely night out. So, yeah, thanks very much. I really, really enjoyed that. And then I, I enjoyed even more watching Money in the Bank, the WWE show <laughs> that we watched on Saturday night. And previously, I really just didn't get it. I think it was maybe too big and too bombastic, and I didn't really connect with the performances. But having seen it in real life in front of you, I then got it. It was something happened. I then absolutely got what they were doing, what the commentary team were doing, the way that the crowd were chanting. Like before, I was like, "Why are these crowd chat?" You know, like people going like, "This is awesome" and stuff yes. like that, or "Thank you, someone." And I was like, "I just don't get. I just don't understand it." Hmm. And having seen people doing that in real life, I know you keep because I've said this to you before you've got it's not real life but you know what I mean? in front of you live in front of you yeah having understood the way that the crowd works in conjunction with the performers I then got it and I could see myself probably in about 10 years time when I've got over my shyness of you know maybe maybe chanting along a little bit quietly under my breath you know that yeah. sort of, I can really or in my mind I'm chanting along you know it just takes a lot for me to do that mm. and yeah I got it for the first time I think it's like this is going to sound ultra ultra wanky and pretentious and I can hear myself rolling my eyes as I'm saying it but it is a bit like jazz in that if you walk up to a jazz rep and I'm still in this situation like a lot of it just sounds random but once you understand it, then there is reason behind what they do and they are telling a story through the music uh, or through the wrestling. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I say that as someone who doesn't understand jazz in the slightest, but that, having know a few people that do, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm delighted that you finally understand why I go away on a Saturday night. and uh, yeah. But it does have that, um, that filmic quality to it. It really does have... A, I understand why they now call it sports entertainment. And I understand why so many people in the room felt like friends, even though we didn't know them. Because we're all... It, it's our tribe, isn't it? It's a really interesting way of feeling like people you know people get it and they know people get you and you could probably yeah. nudge the person next to you and start talking about a random film from the 90s or some television because they're wearing the t-shirt of it and they could probably name all of the characters and I, I really do feel that there's that synergy and I hadn't seen it before but that synergy between wrestling and what we do here on the podcast where we just randomly talk about TV and film we've been watching. I will say now that sports entertainment is sometimes looked on like slightly derogatory term. Oh really? Because it's it's a Vinceism. It's a Vince McMahonism, oh, okay. and he uses that in place of wrestling because okay. wrestling's what my father did, and <laughs> uh, yes, what, what what I do is you know. Um, right, but I thought it was maybe a more progressive way of talking about it, but apologies if not. No, I think Still professional wrestling yet. is it, professional wrestling is how you would. Okay. How like the person who didn't want to use sports entertainment would would do. So for example, there is a group in AEW who are bad guys, and they are bad guys because they refer to themselves as sports entertainers over wrestlers. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Understood. I will forever call it professional wrestling from <laughs> now on. I've got to get the lingo right. Yeah. But no. I, yeah. Like 
I'd, I'd love you to come again. Um, Thanks, Mark. I will. <laughs> I don't really want you to take my place there, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can't live without my pants of pale driver <laughs> and my J and J's pizza. But uh, yeah, yeah, the pizza was amazing. <laughs> right, what we're we talking about this week? We have got. I've got a bit of television to go through. I've got Best Interests, which is a BBC show that I've been watching. We've then got two further episodes of Black Mirror, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Are you doing anything for TV? No, I've only been watching Black Mirror. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Excellent. And then we've got the big film of the week. It's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yes, it is. Watching television, watching television. So you were going to talk about Best Interests? Yep. And then we are going to touch upon the next two episodes of Black Mirror, which are Beyond the Sea and Maisie Day. And we've already talked about the first two episodes of Black Mirror in an earlier podcast. It was the last podcast. So if you want to catch up with that, go back one step and you'll see it there. So best interests, I'm just going to put a warning out there to everyone, a content warning that this conversation will involve me discussing a programme that involves a life-limiting illness and also a discussion of -of end-of-life care. I'm going to talk a little bit about our experience of that as well. So if that's not something that you want to delve into at this particular point in time, um, please move on to the Black Mirror episodes. Timestamps will be in the notes. Timestamps will absolutely be in the notes. Best Interest is about Andrew and Nikki, who are a married couple, played by Michael Sheen, and Sharon Horgan. Oh. Yeah, I know. Big cast this. They have two daughters and their youngest daughter, Marnie, has muscular dystrophy. Okay. And we start the the show by seeing that Sharon Horgan's character, Nikki, is going to court to try to stop the hospital from ending uh, the care of Marnie, who is clearly, at, at that point, at some point, had... Um, uh, an illness or a devastating illness and the hospital wants to um, bring that life-saving treatment to, to an end so yes. effectively turn a ventilator off and we see uh, Michael Sheen's character uh, standing outside the court and there's clearly some distance there so we start from that point where we know there's going to be a disagreement between the hospital and the family and the family also in disagreement Therefore, we can you can tell just by the way that I'm talking about this, this is a highly emotive show. This is a programme that over a number of episodes takes you through the highs and the lows of having a disabled child. And you we go all the way back in time to the day that Marnie gets her diagnosis when she's a baby, um, all the way through to... Um, moments of of joy of the the family dynamic there's a there's an older sister as well we get to see the impact of a caring role on a sibling and we get to see the just the 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 everyday world of this this family as well as the very difficult decision and the interactions that they have with the with the hospital. It's really, really difficult for me to explain what the show is a, about and to talk about it because, and actually to give an objective point of view, because this show in many, many, many ways is a carbon copy of elements of our life. 
Our son is profoundly disabled. He's a wheelchair user and he also has life-limiting disabilities. So when I'm watching this, I am hearing the words coming out of Sharon Horgan's mouth and they are words that I have said. I am watching Michael Sheen as Andrew putting his um, his headphones over his head and blasting out pulp in the living room to try to forget what is going on and I have done that as well. I see the sibling um, you're trying hardest to do things with her sister but also resentful of things that you know birthday parties that are missed because they're in hospital and and I I see that as well. Yeah. So it is the most beautiful and incredibly emotional portrayal of family life when someone at the center of your family is not very well and for that reason it's really really hard for me to see any flaws in in this show and if you want i suppose a more objective view i would suggest that you go and listen to one that one of the latest episodes of the custard tv because the custard tv team really do go into the sort of structural issues that they had and character development issues um, that they also felt as well i have been unable to get past those things although I, I i see them and i listen listen to what they're saying and i i'm in agreement i think with with them in what they say but i've been unable to get away from that because for me this is the first time i have ever seen that sort of decision making that sort of caring the 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 life that we have and also uh, many others that we know have portrayed on television okay to the, the that daily you know day in day out the um, the worry about going away because you don't know what you're going to come back to yeah. the the panic of when a child gets a temperature and you know that you've got to do suction then you've got to do that then you've got to get the bag and you, you're going into the hospital and the, the hospital know you already we have had a situation in the past where we have not been in agreement with the hospital in terms of their plan, very short-term plan, for our son's care. Yeah. And we were able to come to a conclusion where everyone was happy and off we went. This show makes me really, really think about what would happen if we were in disagreement with the hospital and we could not come to a a conclusion Mm. that it was we were so far apart that the court would have to become involved so even though those things haven't happened i can imagine them happen there are times in this show where people have um a a long dialogue where they give ostensibly a speech about the way that disabled people are treated in this country, about the resourcing, about the funding, about things that happened during COVID and the uh, end-of-life care that was given to many disabled people in this country and how the prioritisation of life was looked at during that time and uh, government policy. And I think what Jack Thorne, and Jack Thorne is a, a writer who specifically looks at issues for disabled people in this country he talks to disab- he he has disabled actors in this uh, production 
What he has done is shone a light on something that just doesn't get talked about. And for that reason, even though I spent most of the time when I was watching it crying, I recommend this to everyone to watch because as Jack Thorne has said, television is an empathy box. And by watching this show, I have more empathy for people, even though we are in a similar situation, but I have more empathy for people who have been through this. And I have learned more, but I also feel now, when I'm walking around with our son, I feel that people who have watched this show will have more empathy for our situation and have more understanding for our situation as mm. well. And I think what he's done there is really, really important. I don't know whether this programme would be something that you would find too distressing to watch or if I just felt so emotional watching it that I'm just bringing all of that to the party. I mean, it's it's not a show I'm going to run to. From what you've said, it sounds incredibly important. I'm not sure I'm in a place where I need to mm. see that representation on screen. And, like, I'm, I'm not against it, and I might come to this at a later time. But uh, I've still not seen the season uh, four of Barry yet, and I've got that to watch. <laughs> and I, I don't mean to make light of that. Like, I, it, it's something that, like... I have a lot of backlog of stuff yeah. to watch and uh, yeah, I think I need to just get that right before. Uh... And it wasn't something I wanted to run towards. In fact, the reason why I want to talk about it on the podcast, because mm. I could very easily have just sort of like not gone there. The reason I wanted to talk about it and the reason I wanted to watch it because I felt it was important. I wanted to respect the fact that someone had gone out and made a show that represented our lives and various aspects yeah. of our lives because we had we had two boys one of our boys is still with us one of one has died and we had to make that choice we had to make the end of life care choice do we what do we do in a situation where someone is so so unwell and and their prognosis is is incredibly poor what do you do now my this, my feelings on the issue are very different to the Sharon Horgan character the mother character here mm. but that doesn't mean that I don't get anything out of it, you know? It's it's really important, I think, to show all of these aspects of life. Yeah, I mean, thank God we were on the same page on mm. that because, mm. you know, we have something we discussed yeah. in, in preparation for knowing things may come when, you know, when we're in the situation we were. Um, is this BBC? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, it's, it's beautifully done. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jack Thorne, is he the guy that did National Treasure? Yes. Not the... <laughs> not, not the film, the, not the not, film with not, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah, no, the um, Robbie Coltrane. Yes, uh, yeah. I think that took a really respectful look at that the area that went into, and I'd really recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it because I found that absolutely fascinating. Um, and that's about a celebrity who's been accused of sexual abuse, of um, yes. historic sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, I, if I was to put money on it, I probably this won't this won't be something I see this year. Mm, yeah. um, yes, I think you have to be quite careful coming to it, which is why I did all of the warnings at the beginning. And I don't, I don't think I'm. I watch, I watch, I watch horrible stuff all the time, <laughs> like stuff that really other people would find distressing. And but I feel this is very close to home. I think. Yeah, closer um, than the, those sorts of things. I mean, I've seen, I have seen things that are close to home, okay. which I, I absolutely. 
you know, wouldn't mm. w- would would recommend you don't watch. Yeah, often not on purpose. Like they appear in other things. Like we always say how how it's annoying how many times our situation comes out in uh, other media and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah, um, but I, I probably will check this out at some point just because I feel I want to see it. But mm. and be- be- you know what? Aside from all of the resonance with our life, which compel me to watch it and I think the importance of it just brilliant performances I mean mm. god of course it's going to be it's Michael Sheen and Sharon Horgan I'm not even talking about the other um, the, the other cast members as well um the the younger cast members I think are brilliant um people who play the doctors and the nurses they they ring true to me they absolutely ring true having been in those situations and spent a lot of time in hospital with poorly children Every everyone is bringing their A game to this performance. So even if you can go into it and you know it, it's nothing to do with your life, and you just want to watch it as a drama, yeah, I would absolutely recommend it from the point of view of you're going to get to watch some of our best people really, really doing excellent acting and bringing to life this 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 really important story mm. showing all aspects of the 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 decision making all aspects of, of the approach but yeah i it's it's a big recommendation for me and i think this is bound to be high up in my top 10 when we get to the end of the year thinking that it's june now and i'm thinking it's halfway through the year i'm wondering what's going to be on the end of the list but this is absolutely going to be on it okay should we touch briefly on black mirror the um, Beyond the Sea and Maisie Day. Yes. Yeah. We we previously did a spoiler section mm. on Journey's Awful and Lock Henry. And I don't feel there is a need to do this because... With these two episodes? Yeah. Because I feel... I think everyone lost their shit at Journey's Awful. Mm. And then I've heard absolutely nothing else I in the agree. past two weeks about this. I agree. And I, I don't think it's part of the Netflix formula in that everyone watches the first episode the first weekend, yeah. therefore feels they can, and then everyone else is at their own pace all the way through and therefore shit scared about whether they're going to drop a spoiler or something like that. And it's but... odd, isn't it? Because um, I counted this week that I listened to an average of six and sometimes pushing seven episodes of podcasts a day. So I will, you know, I will. I will go through podcasts at an alarming rate throughout yeah. the course of my day. And to begin with, the podcasts that I listen to on TV did do Lock Henry and Joan is Awful. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to get to listen. And then they, they just haven't, they've just not come back. And everyone's just moved on to something else and something yeah. else. And like they're running stuff about beef and they're running stuff about, you know, like you say, Barry. And, and, and you know what? It's fallen out of my head that they haven't even gone back to the other episodes because I've seen them all. And normally I'm craving to listen to what other people have said. Mm. And I've kind of forgotten about it. I think you're totally right. It seems to have just fizzled out. And I, th- I think it's, I put this up totally on the Netflix model. And I think this is what happens. I mean, last season, I think most of the attention was on Striking Vipers, which was the first episode. Um, I know on the season, there was one season where the episode was, the first episode was Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, I love that one. Nose Dive. Yes, Nose Dive. It's all about social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the only time people mentioned another episode in that 
was San Junipero because mm. it was such a sort of very cinematic and that was I think that was the first switch towards the sound of storytelling that happens in certainly in Beyond the Sea mm. in there so, uh, because that's a long episode yeah, yeah. should we talk about it so yeah do you want to give a brief synopsis of what happens in Beyond the Sea so it is oh I'll talk about the first two minutes because I think we need to I don't want to go anywhere no, beyond no, yeah absolutely. we are meeting Aaron Paul and his wife, who is played by not Rooney Mara, the other Kate Mara, Mara. <laughs> the other Ma- yes, I think she's married to Jamie Bell, and there's yes, my is. fun fact of the day. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> um, and then we are also meeting. Please remind me what his name is, Josh Hartnett, and his wife, who I don't recognise. No, I didn't recognise her. It looks like to me like they're living in a past fifty years. Yeah, I think it would be like an alternate 1960s. Yeah, oh, is my feeling. Yes, yeah. I mean, that mm. makes sense. A couple of things I mentioned, which you go, oh, okay, what? Okay, what's that? And then we go into, I mean, to me, this this is an episode which talks about represent how you represent yourself as an avatar of someone else online. Um, it it every every. Black Mirror episode is almost like a mini episode of um, The Outer Limits mm. or something like that. But yeah, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone is a, is a mm. great one, yeah. For me, on this episode, I could have drawn out what was going to happen mm. all the way through. It ends up getting dark. Mm. I thought it was going to go darker. There is a plot device that is used and I thought they could use more ambiguity about who is talking and I think if anyone would see that anyone who's seen it would probably understand what I mean I, I, I hope that you do yeah I do um, whereas I think in the representation that was on screen it was known who was talking at any given time mm. but I I really enjoyed it I think the performances were excellent and yeah what were, you, what were your thoughts on I that? I hated it I oh, absolutely really? hated it and I can see that lots of people are talking about how it is the best episode or one of the best episodes of, of this series. It's one of the a longer one. It's one of the one of the longest, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Um and obviously you've you've got these A list the A list cast in Aaron Paul and Josh Hartnett and and Kate Mara at the heart of it and a lot of the that around the themes around it is is trust um and uh, like you say who you're talking to and what their intentions are i felt for the first time and i i don't know quite what has gone wrong here in my mind but for the first time i felt that there was a real level of misogynistic violence in this and that the that the that women and children were essentially there to be put in peril and there was a really nasty streak of violence in this episode. A really, really nasty one. And I, I really, really disliked it for that reason. I didn't feel that there was... And it's interesting that you talked about maybe drawing uh, parallels with social media and maybe drawing parallels with who, who you're talking to at any one time in avatars. I didn't get any of that. I really didn't get anything thematically from it 
other than, okay, this is the plot device, this is the black mirrorness of it. There's always something, isn't there, that means that it is a black mirror episode, whether it be technology um, or whether we're looking into the future or into the back, you know, those sorts of things. I really, really disliked it. I I got to the end of it and I just thought, yeah, I'll never watch that one again. It's probably going to be one of the my least um, happy Black Mirror moments. And it brings me no joy to say that because I love Charlie Brooker. I love the right, you know, it, something has gone wrong with me on this episode. Okay. And I don't think it is the intention of the writers to produce because absolutely it is not it is not the intention of the writers to be there but that's all i could take from it so some there is a major disconnect between me and this and this episode wow yeah i know on the other hand (laughs) we're gonna go and talk about Maisie day now Maisie day as an episode has been absolutely pulled apart it's an episode where we are in the world of the paparazzi. So we're, we're I think we're early 2000s in this one as well. So we're going back it back in time. But it really pulled out things like Paris Hilton and how she would have people come and take photographs of her under her skirt or under yes. her dress as she was getting out of a car. Um, it looks at a young actor um, who is on a film set and again is you know is having the the paparazzi coming after her and we follow one of the main characters that we follow is someone who is um, with her hands on the camera and how she initially feels quite disgusted by what's happening because there's a there's an effect of one of her photographs in the in the press on someone and she sees the consequences of that and then later she's pulled back into this desire for the photograph for the money that that can that I was going to say I think it's made quite clear that it's more the money than the yes. actual desire for the yeah. photograph. Yeah, but, but I'm yeah. saying it's not not about photography but the desire mm. to get the photo to get the money to get you know to to move it move it through. This has not been well received. And I absolutely loved it. <laughs> there is a big black mirror moment in it that a lot of people have just rolled their eyes at, but I absolutely loved it. Okay. Um so I would dispute that. I don't think it's a black mirror moment. I think it's an outer limits moment. Um and I think this I come into Black Mirror for something that is making a comment on uh, technology and modern life and things like that and I think this tries to make a comment about the paparazzi but then this turns into something completely different and I think that's why I have a problem with it I mean I love Sazie Beats who plays Bo the photographer in this the main character um, and I think that uh, Claire Rugard who plays um, Maisie Day the actress is not someone who I've seen in anything else but I think she's I think she's excellent in it um, but I I just I was expecting something more and I expect I thought there was a better tale that could be told from this. I really like the way that it used particular moments where in my view what you see on screen could be happening but equally it could be a commentary on what is happening to the person. And that's as far as I can go without giving away any spoilers. But I I think you could read it in a number of ways. And I really like it when you're watching something and you can can say to yourself, what I am physically seeing might not be what I am actually seeing. And I can read it in a a number of ways. I just really like that. 
So I'll go so far as to say that I watched this episode last week and when we were talking about the which episodes we we're going to do, mm-hmm. you made a comment and I was like, oh yeah, I completely forgot that, that happened. Oh. And that is the big and thing in this episode. Yeah. yeah. So this th- this has made absolutely no impact on me whatsoever, okay. this episode. I still have an episode to watch, which I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, it's The episode that you've got left to watch is one of my favourite episodes of Black Mirror of all time. Okay. There you go. Interesting. Now you got that in your head. Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll probably hear it then if that's, yeah, yeah, that's where this I'm is thinking. going. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. But yeah, I mean, we could do a spoiler section, but I don't think... I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth it. I think you're absolutely right. It just seems to have fallen away. And like you say, this the Netflix model or just people move on so quickly. It's mm. almost like we've consumed it. And maybe if we hadn't have got... Like I was thinking about this. Because the other podcasts were clearly doing it as well. If we if we haven't got all those spoiler episodes out in like the first day when it lands, which we couldn't do because we don't we don't get screeners, we just watch it the same as everyone else, then you've kind of missed the boat with it. And yeah. I, I don't think people are interested. No. So hopefully I hope everyone that we've sort of covered it in a way that is useful to you and is entertaining to you without going into the ins and outs of every episode for half an hour. Shall we talk about film? Yes, let's. I'm so excited. <laughs> Saturday night at the movies. Who cares what picture you see? When you're with your baby, let's roll in the balcony. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. So everyone, I went to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny days, literally days and days before Mark. He has had to wait quite a long time to be able to go at the pictures by himself, which he has now done. But during that time, I have done nothing but sing parts of the theme tune with him, which is my only way of making sure that I'm not going to blur out major spoilers for Indy. As soon as I came home after watching that film, and I watched it on the first day it came out, I just had to zip my mouth together with a little bit of wire and a little, <laughs> little zip and just not say anything. And I found the best way to do that was every time I felt like I just wanted to shout something out, that I just would sing the theme tune. So, yeah, I've done really well. I'm really proud of myself. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Well done. Thanks. So, we're going to do our spoiler-free thoughts on yes. Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny, and then we are going to go into spoilers for this, because I think it's important that, that we do that. And I'm not sure how we're going to talk about the film without spoilers anyway. The first thing I want to mention, Mark, before we go into the actual film, is just to say that our good friend and amazing podcaster, Chris G. Allen, who has been on this podcast before talking about Indiana Jones being filmed up here in our neck of the woods, up at Bamborough Castle, up at Northumberland. I think he um, was interviewed by Time Tees News up here as well. And just an amazing, amazing amount of knowledge that Chris has about Indiana Jones. And he also runs the UK segment, IJ in the UK, in the amazing podcast, Indiana Jones podcast, The IndieCast. So Chris, just I'm like, where am I going with this? So Chris got to go to the London premiere of this film and we are just delighted. It's one of those things, and I said this on social media, where like it's really lovely when good things come to good people because Chris has done this phenomenal amount of work for the indie 
universe for the fandom, but also he's just a really nice bloke. You know, he's just one of those good people, a good egg. And the fact that Lucasfilm invited him to this premiere and he got to be there with Harrison Ford, with um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, with, you know, uh, John Rhys-Davies, there was the producers were there, um, Kathleen Kennedy, James Mangold. He, I think he was on the front row of the, you know, the IMAX. And the number in the photographs, the number of indie hats and people dressed as Indy's dad, as Sean Connery, and even, like, you know, there was one guy that was dressed as Indy pretending to be the Scottish Lord from The Last Crusade. You're going to look blankly at me because you don't know the indie films very well. That's but right. if you know your indie films, the fact that I was looking at Chris's photographs and I zoomed in on this guy and I'm like, why is he wearing, like, this Mac and this sort of floppy hat? I was like, oh my God, he's come as Indiana Jones, but as Indiana Jones dressed as a Scottish lord to try and get into the Nazi castle. Like, that to me is just amazing. So, like, Chris, like, congratulations and well done and so well deserved. And it was just amazing, actually, from our point of view, just to, to have that that feeling of being on the red carpet because we were able to watch the videos and look at the photographs as well. And I kind of felt, I felt really emotional looking at it because I sort of felt like I was there. You know, really, really up close photographs of Harrison Ford and hearing what he was saying to the fans who were there who were all dressed up and, you know, having a, you know, even saying to someone who was saying, oh, can I have a photograph with you? And sort of points around to all of the cameras, all filming them and taking photographs of them kid we're having our picture taken i mean it's a classy response that isn't too grumpy and we all know harrison ford sometimes you know maybe he he, he gets a bit sick of of the the attention a uh, really classy response i heard that he also when he was signing someone's ticket he said something along the lines of oh that ticket's useless now someone scribbled it you know those sorts of things oh he's in good form and i just i just loved it i love the fact that that Chris and his wife Alison, hello Alison, were there and I love the fact that we could kind of come along on that that journey with them as well. Ride along their coattails. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I text Chris to say, oh, I hope you have a good night and he was, or I can't remember whether I texted him before or the day, the day of or the day after and it, you could just see the enthusiasm just as, oh, like so excited, sending me pictures. It was like, I'm, I'm absolutely made up for Chris because I think if there is one person who deserves like for their service to a fandom Chris is definitely it he lives and breathes Indiana Jones and it's lovely to see that he was able to be part of this because bloody hell he worked bloody hard following yeah. around the production to um and, uh, yeah. and if you've as does Alison uh, well, being dragged to follow the production <laughs> absolutely <laughs> at least she got something out of it right and also go, going to like Lego shops at really really early in the morning to get the latest uh, big Lego um, Indiana Jones model so yes she absolutely does and she, and I think just looking at the photographs of them and just seeing the big smiles on their faces it's just lovely to see isn't yeah. it um, I'm slightly nervous of reviewing this latest indie film because I know that Chris will listen <laughs> and I, ha- I do have a sense of nervousness about you know about our reviews I don't know how you feel about it yet and I have a nervousness about sort of what I'm going to say but I'm going to be as open as I possibly can be, I'm going to give a proper review um, and sort of park the excitement from the London premiere sort of in, in the back of my mind. To a, to a, to the excitement of something level. that we yeah, didn't, weren't invited that we, to and didn't yes, go to. Yes. Something that we didn't go, but I think it's very easy to get swept along with it, isn't it? So I'm going yeah. to try and park that and give an honest review of, 
of the film. Um, do you want to start first or do you want me to give you my my feeling on Indy and the dial of destiny? I keep having to say it just to try and get it in my mouth. I mean, I'm interested to know where you go first because you, yeah. you're you far more familiar with the films yeah. than I am. I have seen each of the three previous films uh, once um, and I saw a fan film which was released in the mid-2000s, uh, which was appalling. I think they must just cut together something from um, other um, from other films that's made. It's not that, that bad. It's not that bad. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is is not my most favourite indie film, obviously. But I don't think films... Where you've got a trilogy that's so tight in terms of its timescale, it's very much of its time as well. It's that, that 80s adventure and they all look the same as well they're all using those practical effects i think it's really difficult when a a period of time and a long period of time has passed and the way that films are made the way you know the way that films are, are are filmed and produced has changed and your your cast have also got older and some have died and you know i i do think it's really difficult to recapture what has gone before so i give it i give kingdom of the crystal skull a pass in terms of those things but i absolutely if i'm going to stick any of the indie films on it will be one two or three it will be temple raiders crusades you know they are the three that's the trilogy for me uh, would be uh, in the way that so, people think about star wars i, I would so i i think that, my opinion is that I, I have no problem with it on a production point of view. I just think that the storyline was um, not in keeping with the rest of mm-hmm. the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any, like I say, I don't, I don't hold, I, I haven't seen any of these films until, until 2008, mm-hmm. which was a bit of hilarity in that I'd never seen any non-Star Wars Harrison Ford film until then. Um, so I used to get people coming up to me and going, oh, yeah, but no, you will have, because you've definitely seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like, Trust me, if there was a film that's going to sneak by, it's not going to be the most famous film of all. <laughs> it's so most famous. Seen, sorry, Girls. I'm going to do it to you now. So you haven't seen like The Fugitive? No. Or Witness? No. Why? Okay. I mean, look, again, like I say, if I was going to say that, it would be like American Graffiti <laughs> or... Um... Or like Clear and Present Danger. No, I hadn't seen oh, that. Oh, is he in that one? I don't, yes, he is. In... Oh, is he? Um, well, he's in Ooh, Patriot Games. Patriot Games, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. And Clear and Present... He's not in... Um... Which one's the one where Ben Affleck plays Jack Ryan? See, my brain's no. That might be clear and present anyway. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm just bringing about what people say to you yes. many years ago. Okay, so here's my where my my card. These are non. This is not a spoiler for Dial of Destiny, but here's where my my cards are. And obviously, I bring all of this baggage with me. I don't think it is as poor as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But I still think there is some way to go to capture the magic of those first three films. I felt that some of the plotting was not up to scratch. I did not like the MacGuffin. There is a MacGuffin shown at the beginning of this film that you kind of leads you to believe that might be it and it's a bit of a switcheroo. And I would have preferred them to have gone for that MacGuffin rather than the one that they went for. You're looking really confused. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm not like this. Yeah. So I've not look, I've I've not listened I've literally just come out 
uh, about three hours ago and then watched mm-hmm. cricket since. So I've yeah. not listened to any reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there is a stack of podcasts queuing up. Uh, Hello, the Robs, uh, who's just released theirs. I've not read the Empire review. I've yeah. not heard the Empire review. So if there are tropes being discussed here, I don't know them. Oh, it's not a trope. Yeah. It's, it's a I mean, it's a if there device. are regular things, like, so... Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a plot device. So I'm just saying that the, the there is a MacGuffin in this film that is the main MacGuffin yes. that I just didn't feel any connection with. I felt a connection with the Ark of the Covenant. I felt a connection with the Shankara Stones. I, you know... I, I understand always, what you're getting grail. at now. I, yeah? get what you were, that's I understand what, what you're getting at now. That's I what I yeah. felt a connection with. With this particular piece of thing... I did not feel a connection to it. I didn't feel that there were any stakes with it. And I felt that it could have been used in a different way. There there were so many ways the plot could have gone. And it just didn't. There were things that, to me as a a writer, I sort of felt, oh, well, that's where we're going to go with this. And it just didn't. There were were characters, there were sort of side characters that didn't work for me. There was a certain bit in the middle that didn't make any sense. So the, I have things to, I have nits to pick with it. Having said all of that, I really enjoyed seeing Harrison Ford, in a man in his 80s, being Indiana Jones again. I enjoyed his connection with Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. And I really enjoyed going along for the rollicking ride that this film absolutely is. There is a lot of action in this film. Um, I enjoyed people who popped up like Antonio Banderas. I really liked his performance and I I liked what... It, it sort of felt a little bit like the older films with that. So every now and again you get these flashes of the older film that pull you back in. But my overall feeling, you know, when I've sat, sat and thought about it, my overall feeling is that it's it just doesn't capture the magic of a raid as a temple or of or, or a crusade. I do not think it is the worst film in the world, which some reviews are coming out, and I know the reviews out of Cannes were, you know, this is just absolutely awful. It's worse than Kings with the Crystal Skull. I don't think it is as bad even though I have some major issues with the way the film ends, for example. I don't think it's as as bad as that. But it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to give it three stars because it just sort of feels like I've gone meh. And I I haven't gone meh. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed parts of it. I think it's too long. Um, and I'm not a fan of the MacGuffin, but I still really liked seeing Harrison Ford on screen. I really liked some of the dialogue. I I enjoyed myself, but I suppose I'm still chasing that feeling of the 1980s and whether that's something that, you know, it's, it is a false idol, just don't, you know, bring my indie <laughs> reference back in. Is it a false idol? You know, should I... Will I ever get that back? Of course I'm not going to. So I don't know whether I'm setting the film up for a fall in that, well, I'd prefer to watch Last Crusade than anything else that could come up, you know, that they could come up with. That's all of my sort of baggage and everything in a non-spoiler way spilled out. 
you without your connection to the you know that really emotional connection to the the earlier films i think will be able to watch this with a much more ob- objective view i'm worried from the look on your face as to what you're what you're going to say how did you find the film i enjoyed the crap out of this film um I think there's problems all the way through this. Um, I I think there are characters that just appear for no reason whatsoever and then are dispersed without ever getting to know them, but featured more than like a just disposable villain should do. Um, you know, there are... I was like, oh, this is an interesting character. Oh, nope, they're wiped out at the end, beginning of the second act. Um, I... I think the ending has problems upon problems upon problems, and I think my problems with it are very different to everyone else's. (laughs) I suspect are very different to everyone else's. Um, However, I enjoy spending time with Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. I think that the action sequences, especially the front-loaded action sequences, so the the, uh, prelude... um, to the, the film and also the one that takes place in on the streets of New York, I think are excellent and I sat there smiling all the way through them. I have absolutely no problem with the MacGuffin and for me, it's, it, 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 it somehow goes from also being a MacGuffin but also a Chekhov's gun in that I am waiting for that gun to go off until the third act. And when it did, I was happy with the resolution to, to that. Shit that happened once that had happened, I have a few issues with. But only minor ones, only minor ones. Um but yeah, I'm I Wow. I I, I think this is the third best Indiana Jones oh, film. Really? This is better than Temple of Doom you for think me. It's better than Temple. I don't like Temple you at don't, all. I mean Temple is problematic now, I think we would do things very differently. In terms oh, I've got of no problem with it on a moral thing. I just think it's just the woman screaming around screaming and Willie in the is jungle. Fine. Leave Willie alone. She's absolutely fine. <laughs> things, <laughs> things never before I said on this podcast. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a high three. Um, I don't think it's as good as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I think it's somewhere behind um, Dungeons and Dragons for uh, like. I, for drama adventure films this year, but it's better than a lot of things that I've seen. It's better than what was the film I went to last night? Uh, not last night, last year. Might have been two years ago mm-hmm. with um, Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland. Oh, the one where it's based on a video game, yeah. Uncharted. Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. I think it it absolutely knocks that into a cocked hat or whatever the phrase is <laughs> it's a new phrase um i yeah i think and i, I think well, it's a perfectly acceptable film be. like to me when you're you're comparing it to like uncharted and stuff i think it's all my background baggage coming with me but it absolutely should be it's an indiana jones film it should it sh- we shouldn't be talking about it in you know next to a computer game thing or the dungeons and dragons one it should it's sort of raised above for me it should be more than that because of the the legacy of the character because of the the people that we've come to know and love from the earlier films, not you, but me and others wearing all the hats down in Leicester Square. There are characters in this that clearly I was meant to know that absolutely had yes, no idea I of. I know, yeah. Uh, I don't know who... So that's really interesting, yeah. isn't it? That you just... But you had a really, really good time with it because I think you're watching it. This is interesting. You are watching it 
as just a film. Whereas I'm watching it. In many ways it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm watching it as my childhood back on screen and all of that that comes with it. Where you're just going at the pictures and you're comparing it to Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, I would never think of comparing it to other films. I wouldn't want to compare it to other films because of that connection that I have with the character and with the people and the the language of that of that film. Did you enjoy the direction? Because people are talking very much about how these these were previously Spielberg directed films, and now we've got James Mangold, who's known for Logan, um, and Ford versus Ferrari, and films like that. I think it, well for me, um, the my screening was really really dark, and there's a lot of dark shots mm. in this, which was unfortunate. I put that more on uh, the cinema I went to, which I'm I'm really starting to lose patience with. Um, I'd sit for the first five minutes with the lights on. Um, because oh, they didn't. Not turn them off again. Nope, they did nope. that for me the other week as well. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, this is starting to frustrate me now mm. with our local cinema, and I am considering giving it a little rest. Yeah. Um, I won't name them, but yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. That so that's that's put down to poor projection. I think it could do with some more color here and there. Mm. Um, it is very Apart one palette. Apart from the scene in um, New York, which is actually Glasgow. Um, yeah. that that was very colourful with the ticker tape and I still think it was very I I, I would disagree there I think okay. they could put more colour into right. that into that scene and mm-hmm. that's what I was hoping for um, but yeah I, I think it's I, James Bangle knows how to direct mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I think it was perfectly fine aside from those two th- um, those two issues okay so a high three star for you yeah absolutely yeah oh, yeah that I'd, is that is not what I anticipated. It really isn't. Should we get into spoilers? Really Should we get into spoilers? Yeah, where yeah, let's I reckon. Get into spoilers. <laughs> if you are leaving us here, uh, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Honeymoon Pod. And if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify or Pocket Casts or anywhere else where you can drop a little star rating, that'd be much appreciated. Well done, you know it, yeah. Have I told you the story about me doing that? No. So, Euro 2000, England were playing Germany in the Euro... Oh, Euro 2000. Mm-hmm. And we're in the pub watching it. And um, so everyone was sort of chanting along to the theme from The Great Escape because that's how we uh, classify football as football fans. And after a few pints and it all finished and England had won, I... It stood up in the middle of the pub and got my theme tunes mixed up and went da 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 <laughs> and everyone just looked at me like I was an idiot. Um, well, you are. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. fine. It's fine. We love you still. <laughs> I would have thought that was even better. Personally, let's all get everyone you know singing the indie theme tune. Yeah, I mean, he does beat the Germans. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no one's got that link. No. Oh, okay. What do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the ending? Yes. McGuffin? Might as well. Let's go McGuffin and the ending and the time travel. I don't like it. I don't like it when... Sorry, Chris, if you're listening. I, I don't like it when it does this sci-fi stuff. I like a good religious artefact. Give me the power of God. I much prefer that. I find that scarier. I find that more like, ooh, you know. When it's an alien skull which I did I just did not like that at all and when it's this which is time travel which they they talk a lot about oh it's mathematics and it's physics and it's not magic 
I just switch off. And at the beginning, what I was trying to say to you was, in the non-spoiler section, at the beginning, they're on the train where the Nazis are taking everyone's belongings. Yes. And they find what I think is called the, like the spear of something. Um, and it's essentially the spear that pierces Jesus when he's on the cross. Yes. Um, and that, I th- I'm sure it was meant to be the spear of destiny. But anyway, Chris will know. And that, to me, is just much more powerful. That idea of the connection with Jesus Christ, with God. With the lance of longness. That's it, that's it. Thanks, love. That, to me, is much more powerful and much more like, ooh, but what could it and how... And is it something... Like, with the Ark of the Covenant, we were like, oh, well, you open it up and nothing's going to happen, but then, of course, you know, everything happens. When it's something that... And I, I thought it looked really cheap as well, the Antikythera, this, this Archimedes time travel device, thought it looked a bit like a child... You know, like someone had made it, which obviously they had, but it just didn't have that that sort of that feeling I'm doing like this with my hands I'm rubbing my fingers together you know that sort of like lived in feeling this or something that has power that we've always had in indie films apart from Crystal Skull we've always had the MacGuffin you know when you go towards it when you touch it or when you're near it the music gives you and the, the way that people just give you a sense that something dangerous is happening with this with this item or if you bring the items together like you do with the Sankara stones you know if you bring them together and they start glowing and you know, so that to me just was missing it just looked like a piece of plastic that they were sort of carrying around with them and then I just I just didn't like this idea of, of time travel and whilst I went along for the ride in the last you know the last bit where they go through through this through a cloud in the sky and end up in um Archimedes's time I just sort of had to go with it and not get too annoyed about it I I felt character wise I didn't think Indiana Jones would be saying to Archimedes I want to stay here I want to be here with you like I just wouldn't understand why he didn't want to be back with Marion, and you know, it just it didn't make any sense. Because he to didn't me. have Marion, did he? Yeah, but she's still there. I, mean, I know she's trying to divorce him, but she's still there, and he still has other people. And I know the whole point at the end, and I did find it quite moving, was that Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character Helena then says she's essentially showing him that yes, you've retired, yes, you're an old bloke, but you've got all these people around you who need you and who want you, and you've got you can build your you can build a family. With these people, I like I like that sentiment, but I wondered whether with the the time travel device, wouldn't the most obvious thing be? And given that we have had we have a son that is no longer with us, if your son has died, if you have a time travel device, the first thing I would do is go back in time, and try to do something to change the course of that event. But this isn't a DeLorean, and it was made very clear. Remember when they had the piece of paper with dates on? Mm. That was the times that these fissures appeared. Okay. And therefore you set the dial and you could only go to one of these dates from that. Really? Yes. Is that what it was saying? That I'm not sure. It Wasn't it only if you set the dial, you're going to go through time, but you could land anywhere? No. Okay. No. So, yeah, I'd get that. so the dates Maths. are like just before the 
the eve of the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Um, the two days after they went after the, the, the they they started this mission, mm-hmm. and also yeah, and yeah, I didn't. I, I would like to go back and watch the what the other dates are. I because, didn't get that at all. And okay. at the end, isn't it? Aren't you meant to understand that? the dial would only ever bring you back to Archimedes's time because he wanted it was a whole the whole point of it was that he wanted them to come back to that time to defeat the Romans. I think that's the who they were trying to defeat. That's sort of what I took from it. So that, but they were only ever gonna go that, back to meet him. No, it's not that you could only ever go back there. So oh. they aim to go back to the start of the Second World War. Yes. However, because... So, it was pointing to a point in the clouds. Mm-hmm. However, with continental drift, like, the point, that point where it was was no longer where it is now. Okay. So, it was pointing you in the wrong direction. So, that's mm-hmm. why you went in a, to a different place. Right. Which, Didn't get that. Okay. Right. Okay. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? So, so, I enjoyed this. Like, I enjoyed the fact that I didn't know... Like, this whole film is building towards what's going to happen when the dial is put into use. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know whether it was like it was always rumored that this would involve time travel in some mm-hmm. sort of way. Yeah. Um. I. I don't think it was necessarily referenced in the film. It kind of tips its hat towards it, but um, like you never say time travel right until the very end. Um. And I was interested to know where, what they mm-hmm. what they did with it. Mm-hmm. I was didn't know where the where they were going to end up, and obviously it looks like it's going to be start of the second world war and then you suddenly realize that those are longboats rather than battleships and things like that the problem i have is the final sort of 10 minutes of this where um so he goes he sees archimedes he decides he just says he wants to stay phoebe waller bridge then does a punch so hard that it probably puts him in a coma for like two or three days because um it allows him to get back um, she takes him to hospital to get his shoulder seen to. Um, she clears him of the murder that he's wanted for back in um, back in our time, which apparently apparently just forgotten yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And then agrees to go and get Marion. Marion. Yeah. Marion. Yeah. 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 Um, and says, "Oh, look, we can all work it out because he's. I mean, he's really unwell. Like, I, I'm not sure if he's going to get out of this. So, mm-hmm. do you want to like come and see him? Uh, apparently. Yeah. Um, I mean, bad news for uh, thingy, isn't it? What um, Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. I thought I I genuinely thought they were just gonna, the only reference was going to be that film report on him that where it's like he lost his son, um, but obviously that plays into a little bit into the wider plot. Yeah, later yeah, on. I, I think it does, and I I do think it, there's part of me that thinks well that if you know in real life, um, young men went to Vietnam. And they died, and I think Mutt would probably be the sort of person who would, you know, would sign up and he would go and he would, you know. And it's interesting that Indy, at one point, where he does, there's a stop the war sort of protest in the moon landing, and then he starts chanting one of the slogans. And I thought that went in really nicely, and I like the parts on the boat where he's talking to Helena about, you know. You know, I would, I would stop my son from mm. from enlisting, and I really like those moments. And perhaps I feel less strongly about them because because of my thoughts on the way that the dial works, which maybe isn't how it works. So I sort of put that to one side now. 
but yeah, I th- I think it is. I personally think it is a shame that that character was introduced in Kingdom School. In any event, I've never really been a fan of the whole. Oh, I had a child, and I've never told you because it's he was another character to just put put into the mix and. I don't know whether they were trying to find someone who would take on the the mantle and and go forwards. I think I would have just preferred for that not to have happened so that now we don't have to deal with this issue. I I don't know. I have real mixed feelings about it. I can understand why they're doing it because the, the casting of Shia LaBeouf, he's got a lot of personal issues going on. He has come out and said, you know, he has not behaved well in the past. And I think there are some court cases going on as well or at least some some things happening there so I can understand why but they could have recast they could you know they could they could recast you know as an older an older version because time has now passed since the other film um I don't think anyone was clamoring for a mutt no I agree I agree and I I think that you know and I'm so glad that they picked like a, the Phoebe Waller Bridge character, which I think I really enjoyed her presence yes, on screen. Yeah. And I think with as someone who is kind of like interested for her father's legacy, but also really fucking interested in the mm-hmm. money, I thought that was a nice it was little so spin on there, wasn't it? Yeah. I still don't quite get her motivation around this. But I quite liked it. I quite liked mm. the fact that it was really complicated, and you could see her grow, and you could see Indy being the Godfather they should have been for many years i really liked that bit where she was like mm, if only i'd had someone who had this role that that was given to them a responsibility that was given to them who could be a father figure for me see you could see maybe if he had been around more she wouldn't have felt the need to you know go off with criminal gangs and to become this person who sells the antiquities it was absolutely the 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 total antithesis isn't it of what Indy is you know it belongs in a museum is is one of his phrases that that he comes out with and she's absolutely not putting those things in a museum she's selling them for as much money as as she can I really when I realized that's who she was that it wasn't like a double bluff when it wasn't a oh actually she's a goodie you know in inverted commas I thought oh brilliant we now we don't have this now I'm like I'm not sure if I trust her I think she's going to give him a run for his money it reminds me a lot of um the prologue to Last Crusade where Indy meets the man who then gives him the hat and he's the guy who is, you know, digging in the mines and finding the um it's the cross of Coronado, I think it I'm gonna say the word wrong. Anyway he's got the cross and he um then he then he's trying to get it years later and he says the line again, it belongs in a museum and I just I really like those throwbacks and I love the way that she was talking about you know, her father and how he was driven mad by his desire to find this magical thing, which is absolutely, uh, you know, going along the same lines as Crusade again with Indy's father. And they have lines about that. And it, I, I really like those throwbacks to it. And those are the things that I like those moments and less about the actual MacGuffin. There is a part in the middle which involved the CIA and Mad Mickelson's character that I, I did not enjoy and I felt could have been really, really cut out. And just was, you know, Boyd Holbrook's in it as as like his like henchman. There's a big there's a big guy which I think is meant to be a, a, a play on the characters in the other films that are like just the yeah. big um non speaking characters that are uh, you know, um 
very powerful and and scary. Um, and then there's the CIA operative who comes up, and I thought, oh, this is go- this is going to be interesting because there's a another woman. Um, what she doing? And she seems to be being nice to the German man, um, who's a Nazi, and but also not really trusting him. And then I don't know whether this is what you were um, alluding to in the non-spoiler section, but she is just disposed of. Yeah, she's just she's just shot and that's the end of that and I never really understood where they were going with that plot line about the CIA and meeting the I'm president I'm not convinced and... they are the CIA yeah. I thought this was going to be something I also thought at one point that Mads Mikkelsen was going it was going to turn out that the person that when they went back in time that the Mads Mikkelsen that we saw in the prologue yeah. was the was like a later version of the one that we see now yeah, yeah and that's, yeah. that's why he couldn't remember meeting him because uh, mm. that's because he hadn't met him yet and yeah. that, so he actually did die in that but no that never paid off in any no, way and I've, no. in some ways that might be more interesting but yeah mm. at least they didn't I, I really really was fearing that they did the Prisoner of Azkaban ending with um you know, and we saw like, oh no, Buckbeak isn't really dead, and uh, yeah, and, uh, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know um, what you mean. But you've you've made me feel much more positive towards the film, actually. You know that as I'm talking to you about it and I'm remembering scenes. There's another one as well that um, when they go in the water, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I could that hard, looks like a hell of a lot of fun. I, I could hardly see sort of Harrison Ford, which I think might because we're in the same cinema. Um, that might be the darkness in the in yeah. the screen, and I was getting a bit annoyed that we didn't see him in you know a bright brighter light it was light. tough to know who was who it was that. but i loved that and it again there was a sense at that point with of jeopardy not because i knew the nazis were coming on a boat but just the fact that they were in the water they were going really deep into the water that they weren't quite sure what they were going to find um that the kid was on the boat that he couldn't swim there's a lovely callback that i actually went oh when the kid defeats the big fella with his um, with his handcuffs, yes, he handcuffs, which I think you know that's that's a horrible thing to think about. But he handcuffs him to the you know under the water, and then he goes up in up the water. He, he arrives up at the top, and then he does this like pull, and he he repeats the words something like forward and pull and forward or something like that. I haven't I've only seen the film once, but essentially what Antonio Banderas's character says that you do to swim. So you put your hands forward and then you push the water back and you put your hands and he repeats that and I thought, Oh, that's that's really lovely because obviously we know Antonio Banderas's characters died and and that's a lo- it's a lovely little throwback to him learning something from that guy. Did not get that in the slightest. Yeah, yeah, I mean I, I genuinely like went, Oh I mean I was <laughs> waiting for um the card trick that people are Bridges mm. character does like mm. on the bird. She's like, "Oh no, it's not a, not a trick deck. I just can force the person to pick the one I want." I was like, "That looks like something that's going to come off in the third yeah, act." Nope, right. not in the slightest. Yeah. I, well, I just wonder from a screenwriting perspective whether there have been all these little bits because you're right. There's various little things where you think, "Oh, I thought it was going to go that way," or "I thought it," was, and not in a way that makes you think, "Oh, they've been really clever there." More in a sort of, "Oh." that's been cut out or yeah. that's been changed and they've forgotten to go back and retrofit. I don't think they've all forgotten to go mm. back because, uh, you know, there are test screenings of this and someone might go, yeah. oh, shit, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. So, mm. yeah, plotting, I think there's a lot to be desired. But you're right, in terms of the, the, fa- the feel of the film and the action and the adventure and spending time with Indy, 
I, I really really enjoyed it and they were I like the new kid character I like the new short round um, so that's annoying the short round yeah <laughs> you really don't like despite the fact that you don't I mean, like short round or willy you've got really something against Temple of Doom haven't you yeah absolutely because it's it's, it's, it, it's the second worst uh, Indiana Jones film but I mean yeah so he's at the beginning he's shown to be like practicing piloting I'm like oh well that's mm. going to come in in the third hour. Yeah. oh yeah there it does yeah so that they have a way to get back which is seen off screen and yeah. when everything's getting tied up like I said I have major problems with the last 10 minutes of this but look I, I think the action was fine um, I enjoyed the MacGuffin and the denouement mm-hmm. just not the coda I would say okay. is the problem and I'm the other me. way around I'm, I'm not a big fan of the old oh hello Archimedes we meet again and I really loved the emotional payoffs mm. at the end I didn't care that she, I, just, I just didn't want him to stay there I just thought this is not right for the character he shouldn't be staying here he would absolutely want to come back and live in the present and I know it's a thematic thing about you know living in the past and a man out of time but I wanted him to live out his days with, you know, Salah and um, to get back with Marion and, you know, all of that. Or to at least work it out with Marion to come to a, uh, you know, to try and heal the, the well, it can heal grief. But you know what I mean? To try and come to some sort of moving forward in their grief. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like that last bit. Do you think there's going to be another... Indiana Jones. I hope film. not. Yeah, I hope not as well. I think I think maybe it is time to bring it to a bring it to an end. I mean, let's face it. Harrison Ford is not a young man now. No, but he looks bloody good. I mean, you know when he takes his top off in the in the film, and it's like bloody hell, this guy's in his eighties. I mean, yeah, he you is. No, like he is in good shape. But mind you, we saw him, didn't he? he was doing these massive bike rides, like. Mm proper bike rides around Northumberland and you know proper lot of cycle paths up here and up by the castles and everything and off he would go like every day wouldn't he be off mm. cycling around I mean I didn't need this one but mm. like, like I'm I'm not the person to to ask yeah. that um I suspect Chris will take them every year <laughs> for the next um 20 years I'd, well I'd like to speak to Chris Chris, Chris is getting a lot of mentions on this um, I'd like to speak to Chris about because I think he would understand it a bit more having seen it the premiere and having seen it again I wouldn't mind watching this again to try and pick up on some of the things that I think that I'm, I've missed the first time around like your questioning of the the numbers on the dial I might be I, wrong about yeah, it no no I just, there I is just definitely like a list of days mm-hmm. and I, I assume and one was two days from now and that was mm-hmm. my understanding was that it was two days from now because that is when they can only go through and they say look it's going to go it's going to close in a few minutes which then they spend ages talking to Archimedes <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mr Archimedes it's just not he's not the historic character that I want to spend time with who would you want to spend time with Henry VIII obviously I mean, I didn't even take a breath in. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be the timeline I'd go for. But, I mean, you've only got so many... So many what? You've only got so many, like, days to... Like, you've only got, you've only got so many choices. Oh, you mean, like, I couldn't just spend the whole of the Tudor period with it. You'd have to just, like, spend a day. I mean, you, You'd find a day. I mean, you, you would be beheaded within a couple of days. I'd, I'd go and rescue Anne Boleyn. That's what I'd do. Anyway, let's move how, on. How would you do that? I Why would I'd, you do that? I'd find it because I'd be, I'd have the power of knowledge of the future and 
I would use that in some way, but I cannot tell you how because I haven't thought of how. But I would. I would use my cunning and my wile to... No, I think Lady Jane Grey was more... Um, oh, it was very your... sad. Yes, very sad. <laughs> All of them. Catherine Howard. Let's, uh, let's move on. Maybe Indiana Jones and the Six Wives of Henry VIII. I mean, that's that a bit a of a spoiler as to how the film ended up, if That'd that's the case, yeah. Notice <laughs> yeah, yeah. how they didn't go yeah, Indiana Jones and, and the travelling back to Archimedes to time in, uh, Hello, Archimedes. in the third act, yeah. That <laughs> might give the game away. Oh, look, okay. I mean, the other thing was, um, the final. Tra- I was not interested in this very much at all. I thought the final trailer was, really sucked me in. I thought we've concentrated on the relationship between Indiana Jones and Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, which I will continue to call Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. Helena. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll do, yeah. Um, and I, my worry was that they had shown too much in that when we were getting to, like, halfway through the film and we're still not seeing them dangling off a plane. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, we're going to have to find it sometime soon. Um, and that, like, But I think they did really well to not show... Mm, yeah where that plane is at yeah. the time and yeah I mean because god it, it must have took them so much restraint to not go god it's fucking time travel in this one yeah and I think a lot of people kind of knew it didn't they they yeah, did I mean, there was that, a yes. suggestion of it yeah. but yeah and I think the dial of destiny it just kind of gives it away a little bit it's still a bad it? title just, yeah <laughs> it is a terrible yeah. title Right, let's finish there. Yes. Well, like I say, thank you for listening. Thank you. And I don't know what we're going to come back with. Oh, we'll have to think about something, will we? There's a lot of things coming out soon, isn't there? Yeah. Well, oh, we've got Oppenheimer and Barbie. Are they, are they coming out on the same day? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a busy weekend, isn't it? It is going to be a busy weekend. You go, I go. You go, I go. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to do a back-to-back double review? Oh, I don't know. Are you we'll interested in both of them? Yes, only because everyone else is going to be talking about it and I'll want to be part of that conversation. So, yeah, I mean, I'm more interested in this is this is just the way my brain works. I'm more interested in Oppenheimer and the darkness of Christopher Nolan than I am of Greta Gerwig's Barbie because I'm not quite sure what I'm getting with Barbie and I'll probably love it. That's, I mean, it's very bright and exciting on the trailers. That is the very reason why I'm more interested in Barbie. Mm. Um but which, I do love a really which dark... Which is one hour, Nolan. 45 minutes. Yes. Uh, than Oppenheimer, oh, which no. is... Uh-oh. Three hours dead. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Oh, well, we're definitely not doing a back-to-back then. We'll just have to work it out somehow. I'm seeing both from opening weekend. Oh, so. are you? Yes, are yes, you now? Yes. Oh, all right, thanks for that. <laughs> I'll, I'll find a way. You'll find oh, I bet you will. Life finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's finish. Thank you, guys. Thanks, we'll see everyone. you later. Bye-bye. Bye.